Isn't that what we're living for? Amen. Praise the Lord. Can you imagine a life so small, really so worthless, that you would spend it your entire existence, 10 decades, 5, 6, 7, 8 decades, whatever it would be, to try to prove there is no God or to prove that His Word is not true? Some of the folks that have left this message will spend the rest of their life trying to disprove it. We're going to spend the rest of our life believing it and enjoying it. While they're going to spend the rest of their time disproving it. And how surprised they're going to be when they stand before the judgment seat of God. And out walks the prophet of God for this age. And they'll look him in the face again. I'm going to as well. Except I'm going to be on that side and he's going to present me to the Lord Jesus. I'm glad for that, aren't you? Amen. We're so happy to be gathered together again tonight in the house of the Lord to be able to worship and sing and pray. And I think church ought to mean more to us now than it ever has before. Praise the Lord. Before we read um, the word tonight, I'm sure that most of you probably know that the governor of Tennessee has lifted some of the restrictions on uh, congregating together as far as large um, crowds. And the interim mayor of Elizabethton has done likewise. And one of the police officers here in the church um, was in, in contact with the mayor today. And uh, we can start coming back together as far as all of us with one catch. You've got to wear a mask. So what do you all think? Now, that's not my words, okay? That's not the deacon's words. Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at the deacons. That's what the mayor said, that we could all come back together uh, as long as we wore a mask. Now, I realize maybe some people have a hard time with the mask, breathing, whatever more. Um, Some people might not feel comfortable sitting closer than six foot to, to other people if we add everybody back. So we'll try to set up the fellowship hall to accommodate those that still want to social distance, and if you don't feel comfortable with a mask or um, you just flat don't want to wear one, uh, to me the most important thing is that we're in church. Amen. And some of those that kick against it probably need to be in church more than some of you that don't because it shows their stubbornness and their hard-headedness. They really need help with God. That's right. Folks that are stubborn and hard-headed, no matter what you're hard-headed about, stubbornness is equal to witchcraft. According to 1 Samuel 15. Right? So we want everybody to be able to come to church. So we'll try our best to accommodate everybody. So this Sunday, no more group A, group B, group 1, group 2, group 3. So we'll just come together if you don't feel comfortable sitting by everybody. Now, some of you uh, I know have been spending time together and all of that. So if you want to sit with that group you feel comfortable with, perfectly fine. Deacons won't be seating you. You can come in and sit with that group. Um, For instance, we have the Martin family, which kind of hangs out with the Garvin family. And they have a general interest in mind. You know what I'm saying. So they probably kind of feel comfortable being with one another. So if they want to sit together, fine. However you want to do it to where that we can all be able to get back together again. 
I sent that thing to Brother Darrell, and Brother Darrell said, church time in Tennessee. <laughs> so... <laughs> We'll try it, see how it works. Hopefully it will work. If it don't, we'll go back to group two and one and A and B and all that sort of thing. But we'll try our best to make it work, and um, I believe that it'll be a good time. Amen. Certainly want to remember Brother Ron Spencer and his church. They're still dealing with COVID and still just having um, 12 brothers or so there streaming services. Brother Tim and them still not able to have service. They've got several in their church that's very, very sick. Uh, Brother Ron had a funeral Tuesday, I guess it was, had another one today of those who have died from COVID. For those of you who don't believe it's real, wake up. This is a real thing. Uh, several more in Brother Ron's church are very sick. He texted me today. Also, Brother Tim requesting prayer for three or four there in their church that's very, very sick. Also, we want to remember Brother Gene Lehman. Lord willing, I'll be going to see him tomorrow. They moved him to Bristol. And uh, they've made um, special accommodation with the CEO there that I'll be able to go and see him and pray for him tomorrow. So as far as what the doctors say, you know how the doctors can be. Uh, well, he won't never do this. He won't never do that. And, but the family let him know, we believe in a God of miracles. Amen. And we believe in a God that can move when nobody else can move. Don't we, Brother Wade? Amen. I liked what he said there a while ago. I am a miracle. I think every child of God here tonight ought to be able to say the same thing. I am a miracle. That's why we believe in Him. So we'll, we'll pray together here before we read the Word. Remember Brother Ron and his church, Brother Tim. Others um, um, around the world have been affected. I got some um, emails from brothers this week in different parts of Africa. They've not been able to even have church for six months. Not been allowed by the government to even meet together for six months. So even though we've had it hard, it ain't been that hard, has it? So let's, let's not only pray for our assembly, but different assemblies around the world. Can we just pray together? Lord Jesus, first of all, we want to say that we are so in love with you. We thank you that you have given to us your precious seed life. We thank you, Father, that we are heirs of the promise, children of the promise. Dear God, we're just asking tonight on behalf of your children that are sick and suffering, and we know that this COVID thing has been a, an emphasis, Lord, that we've thought about and prayed about for many months, but we know there's other needs among us as well. And Father, we're just asking that You'd be mindful of all the needs of your children. Lord, we're grateful for the opportunity that we can be assembled together again tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to us, your word, those things that we have need of. I want to thank you for the service on Sunday. I've heard so many, many things from different parts of the world. It must have been divinely orchestrated by your presence. And I'm so grateful, Heavenly Father. Help me that I can always be sensitive to your spirit, Lord, even when the sermon may make no sense to me or may not even understand why I'm going this way or that way. Help me to get out of the way that you can be able to speak through these mortal lips words that will encourage and uplift and help your children. Father, I pray that you'd move for Brother Tim and his assembly there. 
Brother Ron Spencer, Lord, I think of our different brothers and sisters around the world. Some of them, Father, not been able to even meet together for six months. Lord, I, I just can't imagine. I'd be so heart sick, I'd probably just pine away, I guess. I pray you'd strengthen them, Father. Lord, lift this evil from not only from our land, but from the world, Father God. Help us, I pray, during this time, Lord Jesus. The other needs that are so prevalent in the needs of the saints of God, be mindful of us. Would you take your word once again tonight, Father, and speak to us, we ask, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, saints. Let's read together tonight, Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. How many believes we're in the last day? We're <clears throat> in the spirit of the end time. Everybody on the face of the earth is under the influence of something. We want to be under the influence of the right thing. The words of the Lord Jesus uh, spoken 2,000 years ago, probably as those men sat there and they heard these words and began to ponder the depth of them, what, what it meant, trying to differentiate between what applied to their time and what was prophetic what was going to be in the near future and that which would be in the future far away. It must have been overwhelming. I'm sure they didn't comprehend it until the Holy Ghost came. Notice Jesus says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man. Know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. To me, this is such a sad, sad verse, this next verse. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So it will be such a minority that will be ready, that will go with him when he comes, and the majority will be taken away. Some during the time of the great earthquake, some during the time of the fall of the city of Jerusalem, some during the fall of Babylon some during the administration of Elijah and Moses. Some will be here at the time of Zechariah 14. Notice this quote that we've been looking at in the junction of time. When all hell turns loose, all heaven turns loose also. When the enemy comes in like a flood. Now, this is one thing you and I need to look for in the hour that we're living. We can emphasize on the flood, how deep it is, how broad it is, how wide it is. It's never been this way before. Or we can also make time for the standard coming. Praise the Lord. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of God raises up a standard against it. When the flood, when the flood will assuage on every side, as it was in the days of Noah. What was it? A flood. But the Spirit of God lifted up 
a standard. What was it? An ark. Enoch already called the rapture standard. What was the standard? A standard was a banner or a flag. And it was lifted. If you were of the tribe of Judah, you had a standard. You were identified with that standard. If you were on the side of the north or the south in the time of the Civil War, you had a standard. Whether it was infantry or whatever it was, you looked for that standard. That was an identification, and you rallied to that standard. We're not rallying to the flood. I'm not a flood guy. I'm not a fire guy. I'm rallying around the standard of God. What is it? The reveal word for this hour. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. The prophet said this, whenever the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God raises up a standard against it. And these two forces has always showed at the junction. I've asked you already, and most of you have admitted that you agree with where we are in time that we are at a great junction at a time that we've never been before. Most of us have never been here before, but not only could we say that, but we could say that the earth itself has never been here before. Now, in the days of Noah, it was a a horrific time. It was a time that evil was on the land and lawlessness was everywhere, but yet it was not the same time existed as the days of Noah and the days of Lot at the same time. But Jesus said there would come a time on the earth in the last days when as it was in the days of Noah and as it was in the days of Lot. And those days would merge together. Look at the days of Noah. They were similar, yet they were different than the days of Lot. Isn't it amazing when the Lord Jesus said, as it was in the days of Sodom or in the days of Lot. But what does Jesus say before that? He tells us to remember Lot's wife. Isn't it amazing the Lord Jesus does not say, remember Noah's wife. He does not say, remember Abraham's wife or remember Isaac's wife, but remember Lot's wife. Wonder why? Wonder why he would put a significance on Lot's wife. For it would be a time that there would be a group of people on the earth that would have sat under the administration of a prophet's message and a prophet's ministry as it was in the days of Lot's wife, that Lot and his wife and daughters had been identified under Abraham's gift, Abraham's ministry, Abraham's ability to see visions, to tell things that would come to pass, and they would turn and walk away from that and move down to the land of Sodom. And Jesus would use that as an example and say, remember Lot's wife. There are a group of people on the earth tonight that have sat under a prophet's ministry. They've sat under a prophetic ministry 
although they might not have been there themselves, yet they've heard the tapes for years, they've read his message, and yet they've turned back to Sodom. They've reversed their water baptism from the name to titles. They've swapped the idea of one God for three. And now they're spending their life fighting the very message they said they loved with all of their soul. Why? Remember Lot's wife. You see, that could not have been said in the days of Noah. That could not have been said in the days of Luther. Luther was not a prophet. That could not have been said in the days of Wesley. This scripture could only have been said after the ministry of the Son of Man would repeat again in the last days. Then there would be a people that would actually sit under the administration of the Son of Man. When the Son of Man would manifest himself in a man's life and call out people, not five in his ministry, but thousands of them. Tell them their name, their address, what their doctor looked like, the doctor had on glasses, the doctor was heavy set. Go into such details that it would be absolutely beyond explanation. What was it? It wasn't William Branham. It was the ministry of the Son of Man. And you see, to turn your back on that, then you fit into the type of Lot's wife. Oh my. Well, you're going to be identified with somebody's wife. I think I'll take my identification with the wife of God. What about you? Now, whenever we look at getting ready to meet the Lord and living a life that is pleasing to the Lord, and we live in a time when these two forces are meeting at the junction. We believe omnipotence will speak, and when it does, the miraculous will declare itself. But there will also be a great flood, as it was a savage outpouring of demonic power. And as the prophet said in 1961, that the lid had been tore off of the kettle, what would he say about it in the day that we are living? Now we know the seals come open, of course, in 1963, and there was a great change, no doubt, in the world of demons and in the world of spiritual things. And even though there was no need for the seals to reopen again in our time where we've lived, a generation almost afterwards, but yet there has been a, a personal revealing of the content of the seals. God did not need to have another man to re-preach the seals, but it certainly needed to be made known to us as individuals. And when that breaking of the mysteries of God comes open to us as an individual, as there was a loosening of a savage flood when it was broke in 1963, so will there be a release of the floodwaters as it were against you and your life as you begin to get a closer walk with God. And as you begin to put more value on the things of the word and what the word really is and what it means to you. But then you come back and you realize that if Satan cannot stop you from uh, going farther and farther into the great things of God, then he will try to push you to the other side to make you to where that you are odd and you become a fanatic and you become one that feels like in order to be 
spiritual that you cannot get a job, you cannot hold down a job, that you must, you know, sell your farm, get rid of everything because the Lord is coming. Uh, so either way that you look at it, it's nothing but Satan to try to hinder the people of God from being in the proper place that God wants them to be. He hates that. He absolutely hates that. He started picking on positionally placed in the Garden of Eden. And he's done that same thing for 6,000 years. And for those of you who have the Holy Ghost, he's going to give up on getting your soul, but he will try to attack your body and your spirit and work on the focal point that he worked on on Eve and the serpent and Adam, all three the exact same thing. And that was pull them out of their designated position given to them by God. If the serpent would have remained in his position, he'd have never been cursed. Stood upright, had two legs, look like a man, talk like a man. He would have still been that to this very day. But the devil was able to talk him out of his position. When he came out of his position, that opened a gateway where he almost had a soul. It would allow not only a demonic possession, but it would allow a possession of the person of Satan himself to get inside this serpent and embody himself and of course have carnal knowledge with Eve. By doing that, he talked Eve out of her position. By doing that, she talked Adam out of his position. That's the battle that's raged for 6,000 years is trying to get the people of God out of their position. And it's the very thing you and I will fight until the very day we are changed. But the great battle, and I believe can certainly be accomplished in the life of a child of God, is to find what God has called us to be. Now, if God's called you to be a preacher, be one. Be with all your heart. If God has it, then leave it alone. If God's called you to be a singer, oh, Brother Donnie, I'm nothing but a housewife. I'm nothing but a, but a farmer. I'm nothing but this and that. I've, I've never led people to the Lord. I try to be a light, but I really don't know of anybody that I've led to God. You cannot do that on your own. I cannot do that on my own. All we can do is what God has put in our hands and anointed us to do. And the church said, you see, the Lord Jesus never called us all to become monks of this message. He never called us to go somewhere into the Himalayas and build some great monastery somewhere and all of us live up there and shave our heads and wear long robes and go out on the streets and beg for our food every day. He never called us to go to some island somewhere. He never called us to go up into Illinois as they did that followed John Alexander Dowie and you know the, the story of those of you that have read the history of it, to go to the place near Chicago and start a place called Zion, Illinois. Every street there in the original older city has a biblical name. Now Zion is no more religious today than New Yorker and the rest of them. But that's what they thought that it was going to be a spiritual city, an encampment by which the saints of God would all flock there. They'd done the same thing on Hamburger Mountain. They'd done the same thing down in Tennessee. They'd done the same thing when the Mormons was driven out west. And they thought this was going to be where God was going to set his holy temple. So they went there and built the temple for God. But but it ain't more, been more temple of God than Walmart is down here in Elizabethan. Well, praise the Lord. Ye are the temple of the living God, not the Mormon tabernacle. But yet God, what does he want us to do? He wants us to find our position and be anointed with the spirit of God. And each one of us, whether we're small, whether we're minute, or whether we have a large place in the body, that's irrelevant. We want to find what God has predestinated us to be. Is that right? 
Read with me, if you would, in Luke chapter 19, verse 13. Now, these are the words of the Lord Jesus. And we won't read all the parable, but just a verse here. And he called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds. Now, notice where the source of the money comes from. It comes from the master of the house. So he calls his 10 servants and delivered unto them 10 pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Now, here is the commission of the Lord Jesus in the form of a parable, giving a heavenly story. It's going to identify like an earthly one that they can be identified with. And he's going to tell them of a great heavenly meaning that lays in this earthly symbology. So he's going to say, now, the master's going to gather his servants together, and he's going to disperse his goods. Now, to one he'll give five, to another he'll give two, to another he'll give one, to another he may give seven or whatever more, and then there will be a reckoning day. And that man that goes out there and he will take the five and he'll double it into ten. Maybe the one that's got three, he might triple it. But you know, the guy who had one, this is the idea that he had. Well, I ain't got very much. I'm not very much at all. Oh my goodness, you know, oh, I, 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 if I could sing like brother so-and-so, if I could sing like sister so-and-so, I'd get up there and sing. I'll tell you what I'd sing with all of my heart. Well, if God's only give you one talent. God's not going to make you answer for the one that has five or the one that has three, but God's going to make you for the you that has the one talent. Now watch, the Lord Jesus uses the symbol of money, but it can also be identified with gifts, with understanding, with revelation, whatever God gives you as a deposit. Now watch this, he says, occupy till I come. Now he's giving them a a, a message that is going on during the delay. Now the master is going to go away, and he's going to be gone for a long time. And these servants, these slaves, these householders, they're going to be given his money. It comes from him. It's not theirs. It comes from him, and they're going to be responsible for what they do with it. Now, he's giving them simple instructions. This is what I want you to do while I'm gone. Now, I'm going to go, and I'm not going to tell you exactly when I'm going to come back, but I'm going to give you so much, you so much, you so much, you so much, and this is what I want you to do while I'm gone. I want you to occupy while I'm gone. I will come back. Look at the meaning of this word, occupy. I'm not even going to try to to pronounce this word. To be occupied in anything, to carry on a business. Now, this is what I want you all to do, to be ready for my coming. I want you to carry on my business. Now, what was the Lord Jesus' business when he was here? Casting out devils, healing the sick, preaching the gospel. Is that right? Also, the prophet said part of the Father's business was proving the denominations are not his. Well, that's part of the Father's business now as well. So we have to carry out the Father's business. Then where is that delicate balance to where that we have as the believers now? We're living in the very last moments, I believe, of history. So what do we do? Do we just 
just sat down and we all quit our jobs and we all fast until the Lord comes? I don't think we ought to go that way because that's not the example, the way the Lord Jesus gave us. But he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to occupy till I come. In other words, I want you to take my business. I'm going to give you gifts to sing, to play the piano, to play the organ, uh, to lead singing, to teach Sunday school, to do this and that and the other. Uh, Others of you won't do that, but I'm going to bless you financially and you'll be able to help people build this and do this and do that and the other. And all of you are given these gifts from me, but I'm the source. I'm the one who gave it to you and then I will make you answer to me at that day. So what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to take those gifts then and use them for our own benefit? Now as a preacher, a preacher has the ability to take a gift that God gives him. He can turn the people toward himself. He can start making a little kingdom as it were and he can focus the people on himself and he'll start hammering everybody else and how bad they are. Ain't nobody else got the truth and we're the only ones left and before long you begin to think that if you're not careful and you think well nobody's saying what he's saying. Nobody's preaching what he's preaching. You see what he's doing? He's taking that gift and sinner trying to benefit the body, trying to point the people toward himself. And Happy Valley said... Now, we've all been around many of those preachers like that. God have mercy on us, all I can say, because they're going to answer to God one day for all that nonsense. And it's the same with a singer or a songwriter, that a singer or songwriter can feel like, oh my, I'm so gifted. I'm gifted above my brothers. Nobody writes songs like me. Nobody plays music like me, this, that, and the other. So it's the same way. They're trying to build a kingdom too, but they're building their little kingdom on YouTube and how many people follow them on Facebook. And those numbers are very important, you see. So they want to know how many follow them so they keep a record of all of that uh, because somehow it helps gratify their old flesh. What difference does that make in reality to the kingdom of God? But yet that's the very thing that gifted people will fight what they do with the gift that God gives them and how they use it and whether or not they use it to the glory of God. But Jesus said, occupy, go on in my business until I come. So how do we do that then with the message of the hour? Aren't you grateful that the apostles did not say, you know what? The Lord is coming so soon. I don't think we ought to build churches. I really don't think that we ought to go to Pamphylia and Cappadocia. I don't think we ought to go here and that while the come of the Lord so close at hand. Can you imagine John on the Isle of Patmos and he saw the coming of the Lord and said, oh my goodness, it must be so close. Well, there ain't no need to write this down. While the come of the Lord is so close, you imagine Paul saying, and then 64 AD when he wrote Galatians and Colossians and Philippians and Philemon and then up through 66 AD, writing down through there before his head was taken from his body. Him saying, well, there ain't no need in writing this down. The come of the Lord so close. I'm sure glad he did write it down. You know why? They had a vision of what the future could be. Did they know for sure? They did not. Paul, Peter, James, none of them brothers even spoke about seven church ages. God never said one word about it until John on the Isle of Patmos around 96 AD. And here Paul preached great revelations from God. Paul never mentions the seven church ages. Peter never mentions it. James never mentions it. And they're thinking the coming of the Lord is so close and yet the spirit of God moved on them and said write down these words well why write it down Lord it's so close why my the come of the Lord might be next week but something moved on their hearts to say write it down build churches 
Teach your children. Hand this down from one generation to another to another. Praise be to God. I love the way that Brother Branham deals with this and question answers on the seals. Should evangelists continue on the field? Now remember, this is during the Sunday morning, whenever the break between the sixth seal and the seventh seal on Sunday night, which is the eighth service. So this is the seventh service that Brother Branham has been dealing now with the breach, starting with the breach, and then first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth seal, and then he decides to have a question answers. Now, now of course, the people have sat there, they've been hearing about the Lamb taking the book and the book of redemption being revealed, and when that last name has been revealed, it'll be over. So a lot of the people are sitting there and they're thinking in their mind, oh, my goodness, is it so close at hand? We're hearing the seals preached. Does that mean the Lord's going to come Monday? Does that mean the Lord, after Brother Branham preaches that seventh seal, does that mean the coming of the Lord? Well, don't, don't ridicule some of these people. You and I said that would probably thought the same thing. Because of the urgency that they could see, Brother Branham had preached there for years, but they saw and heard things they'd never seen and heard before. They knew those meetings were so different and so unusual, and the breaking of the word was so phenomenal and so supernatural. You can imagine that they thought, oh, it must be right at hand. So apparently this is an evangelist or someone in an evangelist family, and they're wondering, well, should preachers continue to preach? Or is it so close at hand that we shouldn't even preach no more because it's so late? Now watch this. Should evangelists continue on the field in this hour? Of course, he says what they mean. Certainly, by all means, don't change a thing. If Jesus is coming in the morning, now, for those of you who just like to play tapes, I'd like to hear some of you all quote this quote. Since you say you believe every word he said, and I'll call you a liar to your face. You don't believe what he said. Now, he had the opportunity right here to say, There's, the time has arrived that you no longer need preachers, but all you need to do is push play. Now, Brother Branham, here's your time. Say it. But he was a word prophet, not a false one. False ones are the ones that say we don't need preachers today. Amen, Brother Donnie. Well, don't get quiet on me now. If Jesus is coming in the morning, preach today like it was going to be 10 years from today, but how do we achieve such a mindset and not be carnal and loose and lax? How do we preach? Now, say for instance, if the Lord had let me know or let all of us know that he was coming tomorrow, then according to this statement, I'm supposed to come to the pulpit tonight and preach like it's going to be 10 years down the road. Instead of saying, well, there ain't no need to preach tonight. My goodness, the Lord Jesus is coming in the morning. But what he'll want me to preach tonight might help that last person to get ready for the coming in the morning. 
You see, it's not up to us to orchestrate how the coming will be, even to try to figure it out or figure out the timeline. We are to occupy till he comes. Now listen to this. It's, it's very complicated, really, when you look at it, to be able to achieve such a thing and not be a carnal layout of sin. If Jesus is coming in the morning, preach today like it was going to be 10 years from today, but live, but live like it's going to be at this hour. So you plan as if though it might be 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the road, but you live every hour of your life as if though you could die, because you could before this service is over. Now you see, Laodiceans, whenever they hear such, and for many of them, they've heard the Lord is coming since they were a little wee thing in Sunday school, and they've heard it so much it doesn't mean anything to them at all. And we live still, as far as time frame, in the Laodicean age. And it's something that we have to fight, that we don't get cold and lax and loose. And well, I've heard that before, I've heard that before. And we get all fired up, and then we get cool off, and then we get back into this. But there is a way a person can live as if though they're living right every hour of their life. It does not take a great calamity to get them right with God because they stay right with God. That's where they live. They live in the stay right position. Oh, hallelujah. They live in the stay right position instead of flip-flopping back and forth. Okay, I'm right today and then I'll cool off and then I'll backside and then six months from now, God sends a calamity my way. No, not not stay right people. Stay right people live right because it's something in them and it's just a way of life. It's no more difficult for them to live right than it is the life of a sinner. As a matter of fact, I think sinners have a whole lot harder time living for their master than I do mine because I know my master loves me and I know their master hates them. My master gave his life for me. The devil ain't gonna give his life for nobody. That's right. Now watch then a person can live in such a way that the spirit of the last days, the spirit of Laodicea does not get on us and make us cold and indifferent and lax. Well, I used to read my Bible, but I don't know more. I used to pray, but I don't know more. No, no, we can live in such a way that we're planning as if though, you know what I mean, Carol is planning that as if though I'll retire from the church one day and y'all will lead me up here on a Cane and some of the, one of these young fellows here will be the preacher of the church and y'all have to set me down and the deacons will, they'll, they'll be like me, we'll all be on this front row here with canes and all. And then some of the younger deacons will have to sit behind me. Now, Brother Donnie, be good. Oh, I'll be good tonight. I'll try to get, I'll somehow get happy and I'll throw my cane. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I, I, I'm planning on that. But I'm living as if though I could have a heart attack in 30 minutes and never preach another sermon. I believe as if though a Russian bomb could land wherever more or whatever could happen to us. That's the way I live every day of my life. That's the way you live yours. That's the way God wants you to do. And yet at the same time, making plans as if though, because I don't know what the future is. I do not know. So what do we want to do? Lives as if though our whole life is in front of us. Notice this now. He said, don't get, uh-oh scrupled up. You mean message people can get scrupled up. 
Don't get scrupled up now. That's what I'm trying to warn you about. You mean a prophet of God would warn us about getting scrupled up like he would warn us about women cutting their hair and men dressing like women? Apparently, we didn't pay too good a heed to this warning, did we? See, don't be odd, peculiar. Don't change nothing, but if you're doing something wrong or doing evil, repent, come back to God, continue on your evangelistic service just as you always did. If you're building a house, put it on up. If Jesus comes tomorrow, you'd be found faithful at the duty. Building a house is your duty. So think about it. I don't raise your hand, but how many of you, if you knew Jesus was coming tomorrow, would go to work? Brother Jim, would you come to the library? Brother Michael, your brother's here. Would y'all go to work? He said, what'd you say? I'm taking it easy today. I'm sitting here in the recliner. I ain't even going in. Jesus is coming. You're not at your post of duty unless somehow you're assigned to a recliner. You know, I mean, if you are, that's not your post of duty. But you see, our mind is to do what? To go ahead and sit down while the clock is still running. But that's not what he taught. He taught us to go right on and work. I want you to notice this. This is so different than what? The Pentecostal predecessor. Now you'd have to know a lot of the background of what would have went on prior to this in the people that flocked down to Hamburger Mountain, Tennessee, as I said, Church of God of Prophecy, and the different ones that flocked to here and there. The Lord's coming and so and so, and the Lord's coming and so and so. So they moved here and got a bunch of people there. And don't you know the devil tried to do the exact same thing with people that pulled off in Arizona and trying to say they believe the Lord and they quit their jobs and they're doing this. Brother Bram said they're going to be on welfare and they're going to bring reproach on the word because of it. The devil tried to do exactly the same thing. Notice this. If Jesus comes tomorrow, you'd be found faithful at your duty. If you're building your church, go on. Put it up. I'd rather be putting my money in something like that than be found with it in my pocket. That's not a peculiar statement. So you think you'd be better off to have it working for the glory of God than the Lord Jesus to come and you have your pockets full of money. Well, praise the Lord. We're fixing to lift an offering. No, I'm only teasing. <laughs> Isn't that so strange? Because why? We still yet, friends, have not synchronized our natural life with our spiritual. Instead of separating them and say, well, my church life and all of that is separate from my business life. It shouldn't be if you're a Christian. Your home life, your office life, every aspect of your life, if you're a Christian, ought to be synchronized with your Christianity. Well, praise the Lord. Notice this, he says, just keep on, continue as you are. Everybody understand now? Continue right on, just go right on as you are. Don't stop, don't do nothing, just go on, just as you are, keep serving the Lord. Now for instance, if you're just working for a man and you notice 15 minutes before quitting time, well you say it's just 15 minutes more, so I might as well go over and sit down. You get docked at 15 minutes. If you're planting wheat, plant your wheat. 
If you're digging potatoes, go on and dig them out. Well, nobody will eat them. That don't make any difference. But you see, to our seeking, it makes all the difference in the world. Why should I dig them? That's just exertion. I'm sweating like I don't know what. I'm digging these taters. I mean, the rapture's coming tomorrow. But you're going to be found faithful at your post of duty. If you're a tater digger, dig them. Notice this is what he's emphasizing. Now remember, a message like this is much more prone to becoming cultish than any denomination. It's very, very hard, even for banks. Banks don't even want to loan money to a church that is not a denomination. Because if a pastor goes haywire, the denomination can come in, take the building, take the property, this, that, and the other. But whenever it's an independent work, oh, they frown down on that. They want that organizational head and so on and so on. But yet you see what happens whenever it happens that way is that the people think in their mind, well, you know, the Lord's coming and we'll just kind of ease on and I'll watch for this sign and that sign. And when I see the sign, then I'll get ready. More than likely, you'll never even know it. That's right. Would any of us ever thought we would have been affected in the last six months the way we have by a virus that started over in China? Wherever it started in a lab or in a bat or wherever it come from, I don't have a clue. All I know is I wish it had stayed in China. Who would have ever thought we would have been so affected by some little something? Who thought that sign was going to come? If you raise your hand, I'm going to cast that lying devil off of you. None of us ever would give a thought in such a direction. And I wonder how much more of the signs that we're looking for that will be hidden from the eyes of those that unfaithful generation that are sign seekers. But those who live ready, those who stay ready, they're always ready. Why? Because they've made peace with God and they're planning as if though they'll get old. And I always say be kind to your children because they pick out the nurse and home you go to. So be good to your young'uns, Brother Dave. Notice this, how that this was happening in Brother Branham's day. I got a letter from somebody the other day and somebody told him, said, well, the time's at hand, said, sell the farm. You won't need the food to live off the farm because the millennium's gonna start. And you won't need it. Now, you remember he mentioned this, something similar to this in question answer 64. And a man come up and said he had on his work clothes. Still had on his work clothes and he'd left his job and he drove for however far it was. And he come up looking for the millennium. Said he heard it started under a bridge in Jeffersonville. Now, no doubt this man was so sincere and the man loved God, still had his work clothes on and he drove for however long looking for the millennium. Oh my. Notice, now you won't need food to live off the farm, so just the millennium's gonna start and you won't need it, so just go ahead while the tribulation period's going on. Your children's not saved. Oh boy. Let the children have the farm or they can eat off of it. But you all sell your farm or something like that. I said, oh my. If I knowed he's coming tomorrow and I was a farmer, I'd put my crop in today. I'd put my crop in today. If he made me a farmer, I'm going to stay right at my duty. You say, Brother Randall, if he was going to come this morning, shouldn't you be out there? No, sir. 
This is my post of duty. I'll be standing right here preaching when he comes, saying the same things I'm saying. Then when he comes, I'll just move right on out with him. I love the way he says this. If I'm hoeing potatoes, I'll be just hoeing away just as hard as I can. And when he comes, I'll drop the hoe and take off. But you see, the carnal mind of one who is not ready will say, well, if he's coming in the morning at 10, why should I get out and hold the taters? I'll get all hot and sweaty. Maybe I should just stay in, read my Bible. It's going to be nice and cool in the morning, and I'll just stay in and eat a little little Debbie for breakfast and drink a little sweet tea because where I'm going too fat don't matter no more. Matter of fact, I might eat three or four of them things. High sugar and high carbs won't even matter. I'm fixing to get that new body. Hallelujah. You're breaking the word of God. If he's going to come at 10, be out there hoeing your taters. Why? That's your post of duty. Brother Darnie, why are you preaching? Well, to be honest with you, I'm not really sure. But all I know is my boss put it on my heart, so I figured I better obey him. Because he knows more about preaching than you all do. And I do. Now, notice this. When he comes, I'll just drop the hole and take off. <laughs> you remember the Jubilee year? If they was hoeing the hole with a hole, and they just kept on hoeing, they know the Jubilee year, maybe 10 minutes more, the trumpet would sound of the Jubilee year. They just kept on pitching hay or whatever they was doing. But when the trumpet sounded, then they drop their pitchfork and gone. Amen. Now that is a mindset that carnal Laodiceans will never be able to achieve. They'll get drunk on riches. They'll become so intoxicated on the things of the world around them that the more they get, the more Laodicean they'll become. And the coming of the Lord will be so far from them. Oh, they'll be out there chopping taters, all right. But they're still thinking about how much more money they can get. No, that's the wrong motive for doing it. The motive is you're at your post of duty. If you're praying, if you're reading your Bible, whatever God's called you to do, be faithful to your calling right till the trumpet sounds. Oh my. They just kept on pitching hay or whatever they was doing. And when the trumpet sounded, they dropped their pitchfork and gone. That's it. Just keep on pitching hay until the trumpet sounds. Praise God. Oh, you say, Brother Donnie, it's easy for you to say. You're a preacher. You've done this and this and Brother Tim and this man and this deacon and this person. But what if you're like me? Just a little simple woman, a sister, a housewife, or a single sister in the church, or a divorced sister or brother. To my knowledge, I've never led anybody to the Lord, you might say. I don't know of anybody that I've prayed through to the Holy Ghost. I can't see anybody that I have actually led to a new birth. I couldn't be that important to God. A housewife, I get up of the morning, I make my husband his breakfast, I fix his coffee, when he's gone, I go in and make the bed and sweep the floor. Uh, he, he told me he'd like to have a 
pumpkin pie after supper. I've been standing here making this pumpkin pie. I do this and that. What's spiritual about that? I I love the way the prophet, when he said, you women want to know how you serve God? He said, you serve your husband. That's the way you serve God. Now, that's for you married sisters. Well, what about the unmarried? What do you do? You find your spot. God, what is my spot? I'm divorced. God, my husband's passed away. Well, what can I do? Don't come to me. I'm not the one who positionally placed you. But go to him. Maybe you're to contact the other sisters that are like you. And you all email one another and text one another and phone calls to one another and encourage one another. And maybe you all are to pray for those who are married, who have wayward children or a wayward husband. Every one of us have a position. But we tend to categorize ourselves and say, well, I'm not like them. I'm not like them. I'm not like them. That may be true. So go to him who brought you on the earth and say, sir, why am I here? What do you want me to do? When I was married and my husband was here, I knew how to serve you. But now my husband is gone. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to serve you. But he knew he would take your husband in the midstream of life. He knew he would take your wife. He knew exactly that. He knew it would be a pivotal point in your walk with God. What's he want you to do? Go to him who brought you here and say, what do I do? I'm at a crossroads. I've never been this way before. I don't know what to do. And you may feel like, oh, my life has come to an end. No, my brother, sister, it has not come to an end. It has come to a pivotal point of a turning position. And you find from that point on, from then on, God, what do I do? What do you want with the rest of my life? Don't let Satan beat you down and tell you, well, I'm not married. I'm not this. I'm not that. There's nothing for me to do if you're a child of God. Every one of us has something to do. But don't try to play it, old friends, with some game. Well, I'll try this, and if that don't work, I'll try. No, don't don't waste time. Don't mess up your life and say, well, I want to be this, I want to be that. It's not your choice. You do not have a right to choose what you do for God, but you go to him who brought you on the earth and say, what should I do? Help me. Help me. Go with me, shall we? Let's journey back before the world was ever laid. Before the foundations of the earth ever came into view. I hear a peculiar noise. I've never heard anything quite like it. It's sounds of agony and sounds of, is that pain? Is that his resemblance of Groans of pain? What can it be? There's no beings. There's no time. There's no light meters. There's no atoms. As we come nearer, we can see what it is. It's the eternal. He's having birth pains. The eternal is having birth pains. Adoption, the prophet said, the church positionally before the foundation of the world. When God, in his labor, pain. No, I did not make that up. 
when God in his labor pain was bringing forth, bringing forth you, knowing what you would do. He positionally placed you in his own body. Notice the first thing he mentions, to be a housewife. Now that's certainly not what we would say first. Most of us message people would say, the prophet, because of our great respect for him. And then you'd come on down according to your order of respect. But the very prophet chose what? An office in the home and the family and the Bible and Judaism, which a woman hardly had any more rights than a donkey. A woman was a piece of property under Judaism. And if you got tired of her, brother, if she burnt your bread for supper tonight, you could divorce her and put her away and marry another. But the New Testament elevated the woman and brought her back into a position. And these bunch of renegades and hypocrites can say whatever they want. The message of the hour elevated the woman higher than Luther ever did. The message of Wesley and the message of Pentecost, but the message of the hour. Why? Because we're coming back to the original. When the woman's status will be returned again in the change to where she will stand exactly on the same plane as the man. That God will not look at us men in the total restitution. Amen. He will not look at the woman and say, thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. God will not repeat those words in the millennium. They will not be repeated in the eighth day because the woman will be brought back up on that plane. Hallelujah. Where God intended for Adam and Eve to be in the first place. They were one in harmony, one in purpose, one in origination from the spoken word of God. And what did God do? God in his labor pain, giving birth to housewives. Would some of you sisters like to stand tonight and give witness to what spiritual things you've done today? What some of you do? Make hoe cakes? Pancakes for breakfast? Ham sandwich for lunch? Change the sheets on your bed back in the floors? Fed your little babies? Your husband come in from work? Your world was turned upside down, but you took a few minutes to meet him at the door. So how was your day? Give him a smile, maybe a kiss on his cheek. Maybe he was fighting all kinds of things. But your very smile on his face helped lift that burden and raise him up. And you wonder what you can do to serve God. You have a castle. You have a domain. A dominion, sisters that even your husband cannot touch. Hallelujah. Thank God for godly women. Well, I figured you sisters at least say amen to this tonight. You imagine God giving birth and the prophet mentioned a housewife. And then he goes down from a housewife to a farmer. To be a preacher, to be a prophet, to be this, to be that. 
He placed you. What are we going to be under in the last days? Look, friends, our nation is gone. It ain't no wonder. I didn't watch the debate last night, but from what I've heard and what I've read about it, I think it pretty well proves neither one of the men debating is fit to be president of this nation. Which are you, Brother Donnie, Democrat or Republican? You keep confusing me. Well, let me settle it for you tonight. I'm neither. I am a Christian. My faith goes beyond politics. That's right. But what have we got? We've got leaders that are not fit to be where they are. Well, praise the Lord. We got women mayors. We got women governors. Did God ever make a woman a mayor? Looks like we may have another on the Supreme Court, which will make the majority controlled by Catholics on the Supreme Court. Why? God made her to be a housewife. But why in this age has it exploded that she wants to rule? She wants to reign. It's the spirit forerunning Catholicism that'll take over the world and be destroyed by Russia. Why? To get them out of their position. Oh my, what a, what a challenge, friends, that we live in a challenging time. And what a miracle we are. Don't you understand? Everyone that leaves in the rapture, they will not just be identified because the sisters have long hair and because the brothers keep their hair short. Let me tell you something. There's going to be women in Africa that go in the rapture and their hair won't be no longer than mine because it don't grow. Long hair is not just because it's down here. It means uncut in the Bible. Uncut hair. Some of them sisters in Africa have talked to me in the different nations I've been and they feel so ashamed and they feel so bad because their hair will not grow. I've told them from one nation to another, long hair is uncut hair, sisters. You stand before God, oh my, and the women in America that have the ability to be able to grow it long and cut it off, there'll be a judgment against them at the day of judgment. Them sisters that want their hair to be long, say amen, saints. Why? Because they it's part of who you are. God never made a woman to have on a pair of breeches. He never made a man to have on a skirt or a dress. He made a man to be masculine. He made the woman to be feminist. Praise the Lord. <sighs> Hallelujah. But the spirit of the last days is what? To make a woman a governor and make her husband the puppet. So he follows his wife around. He's the governess, I guess. Yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear. Come on, saints, you know it's the truth. Praise God. Notice this. He placed you positionally. Then when we've come from the garlic lands of Egypt, through sanctification and baptized into the promised land, this is why you ain't getting my land. You make all the YouTube videos you want. I've been baptized into my land. Waste all your time. You're wasting your time trying to tell me this word ain't right. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I'm in my land and I ain't giving it up. Praise be to God. For the promise of God is the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 4.30 said, Grieve not. The Holy Spirit of God will by your seal to the day of your redemption. Then God, having predestinated the church, all the peoples, there will be millions times millions that'll walk very religious and be deceived. Yeah. 
The only ones that will not be deceived will be those, glory, that have come over into the promised land who before the foundation of the world had their names put on the Lamb's book of life and come over into the promised land and enjoying it. So we dig our taters, we toss our hay, we build a house, we build a church, keep selling furniture, we keep buying converters, we still make apple pies, pumpkin pies, cherry pies, Boston cream pies, whatever you make, make make the beds, change the sheets, sweep the floors, vacuum them. Praise God. Can you imagine this may be a typical morning of the rapture? I'll close. The alarm goes off at 6.45. It's Monday morning. You jump up out of the bed, wives. You go to getting your kids ready for school, or if you homeschool them, you get them up. Come on, everybody, come on. You've got one deadhead, or maybe two. Come on now, Johnny, come on, Johnny. Mama, I don't feel good, Mama, I don't feel good. Get up, Johnny, you tried that yesterday. Yesterday it was your belly, today is your back, tomorrow it'll be your right ear, the next day it'll be your left ear. Get up, Johnny, 15 minutes, get up. Little Johnny gets up and little Mary, oh my, she stumped her toe and oh, it's you know, Monday morning, getting ready for school. A normal day for you. What a great spiritual atmosphere, right sisters? Oh wow, what an atmosphere. You're ready to string them up one at a time. I mean, you look at that butter knife and think that would make a great murder weapon. <laughs> Putting butter on your toast. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you see your grandmother appear in the living room. She's been dead for 40 years. But what were you doing? Keeping your post of duty. Getting little Johnny ready for school. Getting little Mary ready for school. What were you doing? What you're supposed to do. Can you imagine walking out of that kind of atmosphere? Out of that kind of atmosphere and just stepping over into another world. Why? You're digging your taters. You're throwing your hay. You're making the beds. You're you're cleaning the sheets. You're turning on the washing machine. And you're getting ready to put something in the dryer. And you touch that dryer. And all of a sudden, a surge goes through you. And you may think for a minute that the dryer shorted out. And it's electricity. It's your new body. Don't you understand? Everybody ain't going to be sitting around just praying and, and fasting. It'll be a normal day like that. Think of it, children. It'll be a normal day. Some of you brothers will be driving to work and maybe you listen to a tape or, or listen to talk radio and trying to figure out who won the election or whatever more. And all of a sudden, a sweep comes over you in your car and you're, you're gone. You're gone. It'll be an average, everyday occurrence. Why? This is where Enoch people walk. They build pyramids. They do hieroglyphics. They do all of these things. And then the day comes when God says, you're closer to my house than you are to yours. What do you think? Throw away your shovel. Throw away your hoe. Throw away your typewriter. Throw away your iPad, your iPod. Hallelujah! Why? Because you're stay ready, people. Stand. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
How many wants to be that type of a believer? If you're going to work, if you're popping your toast in the toaster, you're scrambling your eggs or whatever it is you're doing, and all of a sudden you look at them eggs, you get that grape jelly out in that toast and your favorite orange juice and you're getting ready to eat your breakfast and you know you're going to go to work and the day's planned this and this and this and little do you know, another plan's been set down from heaven. And you just go straight. You put them eggs in your mouth and you go straight from that. You're changed and the eggs are changed with you, I guess. <laughs> Friends, this is why we want to live every day, every moment. Take our Jesus with us on vacation. Take our Jesus with us every day of the week. Don't go nowhere. Jesus can't go. Praise God. And we live every day of our life knowing that at any moment he could come. And I'm ready. Praise be to God. So just keep pulling these taters. Keep tossing the hay. I'm going to keep on steadying. Praise God. Knowing me, more than likely, I'll be studying. I'll be doing a great big study. I, I'm, I'm in the middle one right now. A 2,200 quotes. <laughs> so I'll probably write in the middle of one, or write, maybe right at the very end. I'll probably just click on that very last quote, and I'll say, <laughs> and I'll be changed. <laughs> I'd rather be doing that than I said, Where you at, Lord Jesus? Uh-uh, not me. I want to be ready, studying, praying, reading my Bible, going to the hospital to visit somebody. I want to be doing something for him, don't you? That's what I'm called to do. Well, sisters, whip up them eggs. Make your little children the best little scrambled eggs they ever ate in their life. Make them the best toast. You be the best mama. Oh, brothers, you be the best daddy. You be, oh, Brother Don, I always wanted to see a vision. Open your eyes. You're a married man. You got kids. See the vision God's put before you. There's your little parsonage. There's your little place right there. You look for some great deep. Oh, hallelujah. I want to be a something. I think you see, see what Satan does. Try to convince a woman she's called to preach in a house full of young'uns. Oh, but this ain't spiritual. But God placed her to be a housewife and the devil wants to convince her she's called to be gifted and do this and that and the other. Teach you see, just like you done Eve. President Trump wants to recommend a woman to be on the Supreme Court, a woman, well, what, six or seven kids, something like that? God would tell that woman to stay at the house and be a good mother. Leave the justices to the men. Amen, Amen Brother Donnie. Amen. But see, this is Laodicea. Don't let that old spirit get off on you, sisters. Amen. Praise God. Well, everybody, I'm mad tonight. You can pray for me, okay? Amen. Let's, let's bow our heads, if you would. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, I, I don't know exactly what you had on your mind when you put this on me, but I've been serving you long enough to know not to argue with you. My goodness, why in the world would I even want to anyway? You're the great eternal that knows everything from the beginning. How could I take my little canary brain and try to come up against you? So I just commit it to you, Father. And know you had a reason for it. I pray you would help us as we live in this day, Lord God. Maybe dig our taters. Maybe some are digging, some are planting. Depends on which part of the earth you live on. Lord, maybe some 
planting seeds and some's harvesting. Some's throwing in hay and some's cutting. And wherever we are, Lord, just help us to be about the Father's business. Help us to occupy till you come. I believe it'll be these people, the occupants of the Father's business, that omnipotence will display itself in the greatest phenomena that has ever been on the earth. Oh, it must have been awesome that day when the Holy Spirit come and begin to brood over the earth as the Logos spoke and said, let there be. And the Holy Spirit got together a little calcium, a little potash, a little petroleum, a little phosphorus. And he put it together and he made a beautiful, beautiful Easter lily. And the Logos come and looked at it and said, oh, it's beautiful. Keep on brooding. All but one day, Father, all over this earth, some parts of the earth it'll be morning, other parts of the earth it'll be mid-morning, other parts of the earth it may be noon. But all of a sudden a sweep will come over the earth. It'll go around the globe faster than a fax or a text. It'll be the spirit of rapture consummating in body changes. The same Holy Spirit that brought Adam's body out of the earth will transform these bodies. Of who? Housewives, farmers, factory workers, preachers. Praise God. The main thing, obedient people. People that have found their position and they're still hoeing. It ain't people that's been in spiritual retirement for the last 10 years and doing nothing. But they're still hoeing. They may be 80 and can barely move around, but they're still hoeing. They don't hoe as fast, but they're still hoeing. God help us, I pray. If we've laid down our hole and laid down our pitchfork as it was, may we be more determined. God, if we think that our Christianity is separate from our business and our Christianity is separate from our education and our degree, I pray you'd help us tonight to see the only way we can really ever be successful in our life is merge everything about our life into Jesus Christ. Granted, I pray tonight, Lord. We worship you, Lord Jesus. I hope I'm alive to see it happen, Lord God. Praise God. What a thing that'll be. But really, I'm a winner either way. If I go by the way of the grave, I'll get up first, and I'll come back and speak to Carol and Harry and my daughters and a bunch of these saints. Or if I'm alive, I'll experience that body change, so I'm going to win either way. Just whatever your will declares. We worship you tonight, Father. We are so glad to be saved. We are so glad to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We are so glad to be called to the promised land of this hour. We are so glad to be in our position. I've never been so grateful. Oh, I hear him say, oh, it means so much nowadays, church, to see ourselves positionally placed in Jesus Christ. It means more now to me, Father, than it ever has. Bless us together, Lord, as we journey onward to that great consummation when we will hear the jubilee trumpet. Praise be to God. You love him, saints, with all your heart? Can we just worship a little bit, Harry? Sing a little something.
Amen. I'm just glad to be in church on Wednesday night. Don't you appreciate the grace of the Lord of speaking to you and living, letting you live in the darkest, most dreadful day that there is in the world? Folks getting spiritually drunk all around you, and you're sane, you're sober, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Got your eyes on the goal. That's right. Got your eyes on the gold and on the promise. You just go ahead and make them flapjacks and you get up and paint in the morning and hang them walls and chandeliers and whatever you're doing, do it all to the glory of God. Digging taters, keep on digging them for the glory of God. You'll lay down your hole for a new body one day. Let's worship a little before we go. Can we take a little bit? Oh, I know we got a little bit of school, to, but let's just worship just a bit before we go. I don't know. Hallelujah. How long I'll be here. Oh yes. Jesus said. Jesus said that he come again. Amen. When he comes, when he comes, I will go with Oh yes, Lord. When I hear when I Ready when he 
Hallelujah. We want to pray for Brother Randy and Sister Sharon. Brother Randy had uh, had a surgery, and the news they got wasn't quite what they was looking for and hoping for. But we know life has such things like that. But we know that whenever God doesn't give us the yes that we ask for, many times he has a greater yes, a different yes. It may not seem like a yes, but if he works it that way, then we believe that it's to his will. So, Sister Lindsay, we'd like for us to pray together as a body for Brother Randy and Sister Sharon. Will you join together with me? sing this little chorus before we leave tonight. Oh, falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Was the best thing
tell you, I, I feel if I felt the Lord was coming in the morning, I don't know if I'd have got up and went to work, but <laughs> I, I, I'm guilty, I'll be guilty of that, Brother Donnie, <laughs> but I know one thing, I'll be digging a ditch in the morning, so, <laughs> amen, aren't you glad for his mercy, his goodness, his grace to us, let's sing that song, some glad morning, when this life is o'er, I'll fly away, give ye, let's sing that as the deacons come tonight to dismiss us. Oh, some glad morning when the slop is over, I'll fly away. The home of God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. Oh, I'll fly away. Just a few. 